I'm Jared Wine with Wine Feeders in Alice, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We're all locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cotton production is dropping in the U.S., mainly due to last year's drought here in Texas. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. I'm Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Someday, feed yard inventories will come down a bit. But for right now, feed yards in the Texas High Plains area remain pretty full. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo is getting ready for the Junior Heifer Shows this weekend in Cowtown as 4-H and FFA members from across the state will be in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicolotti and I'll have more on Texas Ag today. The calendar is circled for February 13th for new data from the 2022 Census of Agriculture. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have details on Texas Ag today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The U.S. and China were the principal nations of focus in the recent USDA World Cotton Outlook. USDA Outlook Board Chairman Mark Jekinowski. China's production was raised by half a million bales to 27.5 million. U.S. production was reduced by about 300,000 bales to 12.4 billion. So globally, that means supplies up just a little bit, up about 300,000 bales this year. World cotton supplies are increasing. Supplies are up a bit, especially when we account for a little bit higher beginning stocks and also the production increase this month. Supplies are up about 600,000 bales. But global cotton consumption is decreasing. Reflecting general global weakness in that sector, economic uncertainty. But USDA dropped its estimate of the U.S. cotton crop, mainly due to our drought here in Texas. They reduced Texas's harvested area by nearly a million acres, just reflecting a much higher level of abandonment than we had been expecting prior to this report. So harvested area now at just over 7 million acres, down about 230,000 year over year. U.S. cotton production down by a little bit over 300,000 bales this month. Jekinowski says that decrease in production should have a negative effect on U.S. cotton exports. 
Texas farmers, ranchers, and landowners now have more time to sign up for the Continuous Conservation Reserve Program. The U.S. Department of Agriculture reopened enrollment for the program January 12th for agricultural producers and landowners who are interested in fulfilling select conservation practices on their land in exchange for yearly rental payments. Continuous CRP includes the Conservation Reserve Enhancement Program, State Acres for Wildlife Enhancement, Farmable Wetlands Program, and more. Those already enrolled in Continuous CRP may apply to re-enroll if their contracts expire this year. To submit an offer, contact your local USDA Farm Service Agency office. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Stock show season is officially underway here in Texas. It kicked off a week ago with the Fort Worth Stock Show running now through February 3rd. The San Angelo Stock Show is next. It runs from February 3rd through the 18th. It's followed by the San Antonio Stock Show February 6th through the 25th. The Houston Livestock Show will run February 27th through March 17th. And we round it out with Rodeo Austin on March 7th through the 23rd. Now with more on the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo that's now underway, here's Tom Nicoletti. For our program today, we go to Cowtown and catch up with communications manager Matt Brockman with the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. And Matt, you folks are uh, well underway starting on January the 12th and running through February the 3rd. First, I have to ask you, uh, this week has been quite the bitter cold across most of Texas. Uh, How did that affect attendance there, if at all? There was a slight impact, not anything heavy. Our exhibitors all showed up. Farmers and ranchers braved the elements in in extreme cold and extreme heat. And while I wouldn't necessarily call those temps extreme, they were certainly cold, but people bundled up and layered up. They came out. Most of our events are indoors. So when you're outdoors in, in the elements, you're going from one building to the next, which doesn't take long. We still had decent attendance. People want to come out for the first weekend of the show, and they did. And we were very fortunate for that. Now for the second weekend of the show, what are some of the agricultural uh, livestock shows that people can look forward to? You know, I'm always excited about the second weekend of the show because it's when our junior heifer show exhibitors show up, those 4-H and FFA members this year coming from 243 of Texas, 254 counties. We're very proud of the breadth of participation across this state. Young men and women that are bringing those heifers here to participate and compete and exhibit will fill the barn. The barns will be busting at the seams all weekend long. And so we will have those shows starting Saturday and running all day Saturday, running all day Sunday and part of Monday. That is Matt Brockman. He is communications manager at the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas feedlot inventories will eventually come down. But James Hunt tells us right now, feedlots are full. We'll get the national numbers Friday afternoon when USDA releases the monthly cattle on feed report, but we already know for feed yards in our area, inventories remain high. 
Brady Miller with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association says analysis shows a 5% increase year over year in the number of cattle on feed within the TCFA service area of Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico. Along with the big influx of animals forced into yards by the drought, Miller says the three state region's inventories have also been inflated by a variety of other sources. Some of that is the beef on dairy. Our yards are feeding more beef on dairy than what they have in the past. And then we also have cattle coming in from Mexico, live animals coming in from Mexico that has filled some of our gap. And then the other piece of this is we're actually seeing some cattle work their way down from the north. And when I say north, from you know, the Kansas from that area. And some of that happens because of the weather they're having. If you look at Nebraska and Iowa and a little bit of northern Kansas, they've had some pretty rough winters. And so once you feed in a rough winter and you find out that that ain't very profitable, then those animals will end up going somewhere else. And fortunate for the feed yards in the south, those animals are finding their way into a member feed yard here in Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, which is keeping our number up. Brady Miller with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. Now here's another cattle industry note. Texas A&M AgriLife is hosting an educational meeting for livestock producers on Wednesday, January 24th in Dumas. A lot of the focus for that event is on herd rebuilding. To get the full agenda, contact the Moore County Extension Office. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The latest Census of Agriculture will be out in just a few weeks. Gary Joyner has more. The Census of Agriculture is a complete count of U.S. farms and ranches and the people who operate them. The calendar is circled for February 13th. That's the day when data from the 2022 Census of Agriculture will be released. The census is taken only once every five years. The survey looks at land use and ownership, operator characteristics, production practices, income, and expenditures. A lot has changed in U.S. agriculture since 2017. The new census hopes to capture some of those trends. Notable changes for 2022 include new questions about the use of precision agriculture, hemp production, hair sheep, and updates to internet access questions. The snapshot of Texas farms and ranches will be interesting. What has changed in the last five years? The data is important. Ag census findings inform decisions about policy, farm and conservation programs, infrastructure and rural development, research, education, and more. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission will hear from the Mountain Lion Working Group next week. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And veterinarians have used various methods of restraint to treat unruly horses. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, 
we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. In the past, veterinarians have used different methods of restraint to treat unruly horses. But Dr. Bob Judd says there may be some better ways to handle them. In the past, veterinarians have used twitches, lead shanks, hobbles, and ropes to treat unruly horses. But positive training tools such as treats or wither scratches can get horses to respond in a short period of time, according to Dr. Sue McDonald from the University of Pennsylvania. Forcing 1,200-pound horses to comply with veterinary procedures is not easy, as you cannot overpower them, and there is a risk of injury for the horse and humans involved. Positive reinforcement is the term for rewarding specific behavior by adding something horses enjoy. Negative reinforcement involves removing something horses do not enjoy. Negative reinforcement is not punishment, but can be as simple as releasing pressure when the horse does what you want them to do. However, Dr. Helensky believes the positive approach is more effective, safer, and smarter. Starting out young horses with positive reinforcement during veterinary visits can create a long-lasting impression. The key is to go slow in training a horse to allow veterinary procedures. For example, if the horse is injection shy, start by just touching the area you are going to inject and give a food treat. Dr. McDonald indicates timing of the treat is critical to be effective. Giving treats to your horse inconsistently is not effective and treats should be saved for training. Dr. Gemma Pearson indicates she can retrain 90% of needle-shy horses in just one minute and all within 10 minutes. Although I'm not sure most of us will be that successful, this indicates positive reinforcement can be effective and should be considered on these behavioral cases. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission will hear from the Mountain Lion Working Group next week. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Next week, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission will receive an update on the actions of the 2023 Mountain Lion Stakeholder Working Group. The working group was created last year after the commission denied a petition by Texans for Mountain Lions asking for bag limits, mandatory harvest reporting, 36-hour trap checks, and additional research on mountain lions in Texas. Texans for Mountain Lions asked the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department to conduct a statewide study to identify the abundance, status, and distribution of mountain lions in Texas. And that's what the working group was tasked with. The group was comprised of 19 members, including landowners, livestock producers, private land managers, trappers, houndsmen, wildlife scientists, wildlife biologists, and natural resource professionals. And on Wednesday, January 24th, the commission will hear from Joseph Fitzsimmons, chair of the stakeholder group, on the group's recommendations and perspectives. The group was charged with making recommendations on six topics. Abundance, status, distribution, and persistence of mountain lions in Texas, development of a mountain lion management plan, harvest reporting, trap and snare check standards, harvest bag limits, and canned hunts. TPWD reports the stakeholder group met five times throughout 2023 and focused on understanding the multitude of perspectives 
related to mountain lion policy and management. The commission will hear the final report from the working group during their work session Wednesday. That starts at 9 a.m. in Austin. That commission meeting will be streamed live on the TPWD YouTube channel. We'll have more from that meeting next week. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It is time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The recovery in the cattle futures market continues. We closed strongly higher on Thursday with triple-digit gains across the board. February live cattle up $1.72 at $174.82. April up $202, $177.65, with June up $1.72, $174.52. Feeder cattle seeing the same thing. January feeders up 250, 230.92. March up 277, 232.55. With April feeders up 255, 237.75. Cash fed cattle trade still quiet for the week. We're seeing bids from the Packers here in the South at 172. Asking prices from the feedlots are at 175 and better. We did see one pin sell on the grid on the online fed cattle exchange. It brought 174. Boxed beef prices mixed on Thursday. Choice down $1.54, 296.91, with select up 23 cents, 283.25. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest, Benny Cox, producers in Cargill, San Angelo. Benny, how was our Tuesday sheep and goat sale? You know, we were closed for two weeks, and we had 44.85, and then today we had 17.71. Slaughter lambs were 15 to 25 higher. The slaughter ewes were 10 to 20 higher. Kids were 15 to 30 higher. Slaughter nannies in these billies were a good deal higher. That's because of these lack of numbers. We show up with six or 7,000 here in two or three weeks, and it doesn't have to hold true. It's a lot into the these slaughter lambs, the hair sheep type, from 236 to 350. The heavier weights over 80 pounds, 220 to 311. Uh, slaughter use from 80 to 138, but mostly 90 to 130 on them. Kid goats, uh, 250 all the way up to 410. Now, that's killing goats for 410. We did have some feeder type, you know, that probably sold up in that 445 range. But the bulk of your uh, killing um, kid, 326 to 370. And 1,700 and what? Yeah, 1,777 head. Uh, are we going to, I guess we're going to be short numbers probably uh, Thursday for the cattle sale also i guess so you know it it it, it didn't 
it didn't actually warm up as much today as they thought it would. They claim it'll be 50 tomorrow and 70, you know, 65 to 70 on Thursday. Move these things and whatnot. The numbers have been limited. Of course, this feeder market on these light cattle especially has been crazy good. Uh, but I, I'm guessing a lot of people are still kind of tending to what they need to tend to. And right. Getting to rehydrated and all that stuff. I think we'll be shy of numbers. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Benny. Yeah, call me at 325-234-4277. Office, say Mary code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargo.com. Neighbor, thanks so much for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. That was Benny Cox. You're listening to us right now on Texas Ag Today. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Arlene Hogs finished mixed on Thursday. February Hogs down 35 cents, 71.10. April up 47, 78.45. Class 3 milk was mixed as well. The nearby January contract unchanged at 15.16, 100 weight, while February milk was down 4 cents, 15.67, 100. The cotton market continues to make gains this week. A stronger crude oil market and a small recovery in the Chicago grain markets helped the cotton market out a bit. March cotton up 81 points, 82.51. May up 70, 83.39. With new crop December cotton up 7, 79.86 cents. The grain markets bottomed out early in the trade on Thursday, but we had a nice bounce off those bottoms. We ended up closing slightly higher on corn. Higher on wheat as well. March corn up one and three quarters, 444 a bushel. May up one and a quarter at 455, with September corn up a half penny, 468 and a quarter. Both hard and soft wheat finishing higher Thursday. March Kansas City wheat up 11 and a quarter, 605 and a quarter, with new crop July up eight and a half, 611 a bushel. Soft wheat was slightly higher in Chicago. March Chicago wheat up three, five eighty-five and a half, with new crop July up one and three quarters, six oh three and three quarters. In the energy markets, February natural gas was down sixteen cents at two seventy. February West Texas crude up a dollar fifty-four at seventy-four ten a barrel. The financial markets were higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 201 points, 37,468. The Nasdaq up 200 at 15,055. The S&P up 41 at 4,780. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.